including one, two, and affects two. Stepping out now, we're live at 60. Broussard trying to stagger free. Meanwhile, it's played along to him. Centering pass, flagged down by Green, played into traffic, though. Starting back up with it now is Martinez in a three-on-two. Clifford gave it across. It's held in a shot. It's a Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Scoop Talk Show, Episode 1, right here on Wildfire Radio. I am your host, Sean Harris. We got a jam-packed hour for you today. It's Wednesday. Yes, it is Wednesday, 3 p.m. on the East Coast, 12 noon on the Pacific, 1 Mountain, 2 o'clock Central, and any parts of the world where you are living, you are listening to the Scoop Talk Show with me, Sean Harris. We got a jam-packed hour for you today. We're going to be talking about the NFL, this situation that spilled over from last week that everybody's talking about it, ESPN, Fox Sports 1, you name it, they're talking about it. Jay-Z, yes, the musical mogul Jay-Z has now intertwined himself with the NFL. Now, We've been having speculations on both sides of the fence on the situation. Is Jay-Z is really into joining up with the NFL to hyping the entertainment because, after all, the ratings have been going down in the last several years with the NFL to restore back the NFL to where it should be, or is it a way to blackball Colin Kaepernick out of the league from all this situations that's been going on with him and the NFL. And we're going to stick with the NFL with Antonio Brown. That's another topic that has been talked about throughout the league that spilled over from last week in regards to this new helmet rule. Antonio Brown was saying he, if he didn't wear his own regular helmet that he's comfortable with wearing, he was going to retire. He filed a grievance with the league. He lost that grievance with the league. He refiled again. And now reports are surfacing that he's okay with the new helmet in practice, and he's going to play for the Raiders this season. So we're going to talk a little bit about that. And also, we're going to get off into the Major League Baseball playoff race. The season is winding down. Yes, it is. It's winding down. And we're going to talk about a lot of things and a lot of scenarios that can happen in this push for the pennant as well as going to the World Series with all of these teams, all of these teams. And my special guest today, yes, my special guest today is none other than WCW, NWA, former tag team champion, Southeastern, I should say, tag team champion, Pat Rose, who also has the hit show set the hook 
with Pat Rose, great fishing show. I suggest y'all go to Wildfire Radio and check him out. Go to ESPN out in Chattanooga, Tennessee, where he broadcasts his show, and check him out. It's a great show. We we got a jam-packed show for y'all. So we're going to be right back. You're listening to the Scoop Talk Show with me, Sean Harris. Hello, everyone, and welcome back. You're listening to the Scoop Talk Show with me, Sean Harris, right here on Wildfire Radio. You can find me on Facebook, the show's Facebook page, at facebook.com forward slash the Scoop Talk Show. Leave a comment. Leave a message. Tell me how you feel. Discuss about what you want to discuss. Get it out in the open. That's what it's there for. You can also find me on Twitter at C-E-Z-A-A-R-19. That's Cesar19 on Twitter. And you can also find me on Instagram up under the Scoop Talk Show. And as well as you can also find me right here. I would like to thank my sponsor, Kezu Kony, here in Kalamazoo, Michigan, on Western's Michigan campus at the Bernhardt Center. Thank you guys so much. Whenever y'all in town or whether you're in town, you go check out the guys down there at Kezu Coney and get yourself a bite to eat on them. I'm guaranteed you'll like the food. Now, I would like to wish Mary Carter of Chicago, Illinois, a very, very happy belated birthday. Her birthday was last week. I hope she's listening to the show because it's very special to me to give her that warm love from Kalamazoo, Michigan. So Mary Carter, Miss Carter, happy birthday to you and may you continue to live and prosper. Now, on to the NFL. Yes, the National Football League. Like I said earlier, Jay-Z has now interjected himself in connection with the NFL. But his purpose, as he say, is to enhance the entertainment with collaboration of sports in the NFL. Because after all, the ratings has been going down within the last recent years, I say a few years or so, in regards of people watching the NFL. And he wanted to collaborate and add entertainment more in the Super Bowl halftime show and everything like that. But, 
Hold on. Hold on. Stop the brakes. A lot of people don't think it's that way. A lot of people believe that Jay-Z has interjected himself with the NFL and Roger Goodell in order to blackball Colin Kaepernick and those out of the league who are standing against the injustice of what's going on in this country with minorities. With the nailing situation and everything like that. But as Jay-Z put it, he's not doing that. He's only Rock Nation, which is his company, is there to collaborate with the NFL and that generates dollars for not only the league, but for Rock Nation. And he wants to enhance the NFL back to prominence once again to where people can continue on watching the NFL and watching their teams and watching their, the favorite players on their teams perform at the highest level that they can be to make it to the Super Bowl. To bring stars into the lineup, like his, his wife Beyonce, Eminem, and all those people that performed in years past. Snoop Dogg, everybody like that. Big up to Snoop. And this is what Jay-Z wants to do. But Jay-Z not realizing that now he got himself in an unnecessary situation to where people are looking at him differently. People are calling him a sellout. People calling him a capitalist, an opportunist, uh, whatever is out there, they're calling him that. Here's Jay-Z take on the whole scenario and idea, and I'm going to let y'all evaluate that one because, you know, there's a lot of mixed feelings about his situation. Here's Jay-Z. I think that we, we forget that Colin's whole thing was to bring attention to social injustice, correct? So, uh, in that... In that case, right, this is a success, right? This is the, the next thing, right? Because there's two parts of protesting. You go outside and you protest, and then the company or the individual say, I hear you. What do we do next? We should millions and millions of people, and or we get stuck on Colin not having a job. I think we passed kneeling. Yeah, I think it's time to go into uh, actionable items. Okay, that was Jay-Z. Speaking in front of the cameras last week, and he was talking about it's time for the kneeling to go away. It's time for things to be rectified and worked out in so many words, as he well stated and put it. But I want y'all thoughts on it. So go to the show's website, facebook.com, forward slash scoop talk show. Go to Twitter. Cesar 19, C-E-Z-A-A-R 19. Give me your input. Give me your thoughts about this whole scenario with Jay-Z and Commissioner Roger Goodell, you know, getting together to put this thing together as well as what their plans are for this 2020 season of the NFL. Here's Jamil Hill giving her thoughts about the situation with Jay-Z and Colin Kaepernick and the NFL. Take a listen. I think the 
criticism is, is definitely fair. And as we found out uh, based off what he said in his press conference today, that when he advised Travis Scott, who performed at the Super Bowl last year, um, not to perform during the halftime act, that that wasn't really about Colin Kaepernick. It was about the fact that he thought that Travis Scott would be playing second fiddle to Maroon 5, who was the headline performer. Now, here's the thing about why this is so baffling to a lot of people. Jay-Z has been on the forefront and been the leader of so many different social justice uh, causes. Um, he's created content around some of the real issues that have impacted the black community from a docu-series or documentary on Trayvon Martin to a docu-series on Khalif Browder uh, to another documentary on Meek Mill. So his credibility and work in this area is very highly regarded. And so I guess I'm just confused like everybody else why he thinks he even needs the NFL if he wants to continue furthering his social justice uh, causes. And why would you partner with the same league who is keeping Colin Kaepernick out of the league mm -hmm. and on one end trying to reposition itself as some kind of social justice champion? Why are you helping them essentially play both sides of the fence at their convenience? It seems like the NFL is trying to use Jay-Z's immense cultural capital to get back in with a community that frankly feels a little ambivalent about them because of the way that they treated Colin Kaepernick. That was Jamil Hill. She is an advocate of Colin Kaepernick and an ally just like several others around the league that currently play, formerly played, and... She gave her thoughts that with the NFL needing Jay-Z there, that could blackball Colin Kaepernick out of the league. I, to some degree, agree with her, but I don't entirely agree with her, even though she's a good friend of mine. And she write for the Atlantic. But after all, we must understand Colin Kaepernick took a settlement deal with the NFL between, from what I understand, anywhere between 60 and $80 million for what he could have made if he was still been playing in the league. And we're talking about bonuses. We're talking about incentives. We're talking about everything that Colin Kaepernick that could have acquired at his performance peak level of playing during the time he was out, leading to that point of last year where he settled with the league, it was a roughly a range of $60, $80 million. So with that being said, the league in a way is not trying to blackball Colin Kaepernick out the league. Colin Kaepernick blackballed himself to some degree out of the league. And Jay-Z found himself in the middle of a gunfight at the OK Corral in the middle of the street. High noon. NFL is on one side with guns. Colin Kaepernick is on the other side with guns. And Jay-Z is right in the middle in the crossfire. And it's too bad for him because... His intentions, I believe, are good of what he's trying to do in collaborating with the NFL. I wouldn't call him necessarily an opportunist. I wouldn't call him necessarily anything like that at all. In a way, he is a capitalist, 
Because in order for you to stay rich, what you got to do? You got to make more money. You got to find ways to make money to stay rich. No matter what you do. You ain't going to stay rich by spending it. Blowing it all up. So, Rock Nation and Jay-Z have found a way with the NFL. And if you want to say, yeah, he's the new face, then go ahead and say that. But that's neither here or there with that scenario or that situation. He found an opportunity and he capitalized on it. So if you want to call him an opportunist and a capitalist at the same time, that's exactly what he did. He found an opportunity and he capitalized on it. Now, sticking with the NFL, news is surfaced up with Antonio Brown. Of course, we know Antonio Brown signed a deal during the offseason with the Raiders. And he's no longer a Pittsburgh Steeler. But the rules has been changed on wearing the helmets. And he feels that he's comfortable with the helmet that he's always been wearing for the last decade or so. And he does not want to change. In the beginning of all of this, he said that if he had to change his helmet, he was going to retire. Which we know that that was not going to happen, people. We know that wasn't going to happen. Then he turned around and filed a grievance against the NFL for not being allowed to wear the helmet that he's been so comfortable wearing for a long time throughout his career. He lost that grievance. He filed for a second agreement, but yet still, even though he filed that second, his second grievance against the league, he still said that he was going to play. And John Gruden, the head coach, came out and said, look, he's all in or he's all out. And that's the end of it. Well, Antonio Brown is all in and even practice with the certified helmet for comfortability and the protection that it provides for his head and everything like that. So I've been hearing a lot around the league and I've been hearing a lot around the sports world that Antonio Brown was being selfish about it. He was only thinking of himself. He's petty with it. But a lot of people really don't agree with that. And I'm quite sure all of y'all listening to me right now probably don't agree with it neither. Some of y'all don't at least. But that's something that neither here or there in this beta boat and put it out there. Reach out to me. Go to my social media site, Instagram, Scoop Talk Show, Facebook, the show's web, the Facebook page, Twitter. Let me know what y'all think about it. I'm eager to want to know. Because me, me, myself, personally, I don't think that Antonio Brown was being remotely selfish about the scenario of the new ruling of him wearing his helmet. I believe that when you're comfortable with what you got, 
and which you've been wearing for a long time. And there's changes to be made no matter what type of job you got. There could be safety rules in place and implemented where they say you might need new safety glasses. These are, you know, ASI, ANSI certified. Or you might have to wear different shoes or you might have to wear different type of clothing. And you're not going to be cool with that because you're comfortable with what you've been wearing for such a long time throughout your work career in the workforce. You don't want to change. That's not being selfish. But eventually you have to succumb to the new rule, the new changes, because that's the way it is. Bottom line. And right now that's what Antonio Brown had to succumb to was he practiced on the field this week with the new certified helmet as much as he didn't want to. Now all the threats about retiring and all this old mess, nah, he wasn't going to do that. He still got a lot of money on the table that he signed with the Raiders that he can't walk away from and lose. So the retirement was not part of that scenario. Now you can, he filed a grievance just like you can file a grievance at your job over something that you disagree with. But, hey, once you lose that grievance, that's it. That's all. The rule stands. And it's either you all in, like John Root said, or you all out. So, Antonio Brown went all in. But a lot of people were saying how selfish he was about it, and that wasn't even the case. He wasn't petty about it. He wasn't selfish about it. He was just expressing that he didn't want to change from the helmet that he had for a decade or so of his playing career. And there's nothing wrong with that. Because I'm quite sure all of you guys out there that's listening to me right now will probably feel the same way. It's not wrong with that. But Antonio Brown is in training camp. Nonetheless, he's all in with the Raiders. And we're going to see what he does for this organization because this is their last year in Oakland, California, before they move on to their new stadium in Las Vegas to become the Las Vegas Raiders. So I wish Antonio Brown and the Oakland Raiders the best of luck this season, and hopefully they can make the playoffs. And if not, don't make the playoffs, have a winning record to go out on top and give the city of Oakland and the fans of Oakland a great last year run there before they head to their new home. In Las Vegas, you're listening to the Scoop Talk Show with me, Sean Harris, right here on Wildfire Radio. We'll be right back.
Welcome back to the Scoop Talk Show with me, Sean Harris, right here on Wildfire Radio. For those of you who have just been tuning in, we was discussing about Colin Kaepernick and Jay-Z in the NFL. We talked about Antonio Brown and his situation with the helmet rule changes and what he's prepared to do. And now he's back in the camp with the Raiders for this last go-around in Oakland. But I have a special treat for y'all today. Joining me right now at this time... This young man really don't need an introduction, but we're going to give him one anyway. He started out his career in 1979 with the NWA, the New Wrestling Alliance. He fought a lot of great wrestlers back in that time. He went on to win not one but two titles within the South, the, uh, uh, Southeastern Tag Team Championships, I should say, with Arn Anderson of the Anderson's family, famous, as well as Randy Rose. He went on to go to WCW, where he fought the likes of Ric Flair, Hulk Hogan, the legendary Hacksaw Jim Dugan. Ladies and gentlemen, may I present to you the legendary Mr. Pat Rose. Hey, what's going on, man? What do you mean, young man? I'll be 60 years old in May, brother. Good How did that... How did that happen? Hey, you know, time goes by very, very quickly, my friend, because I'm going to be 50 in December. <laughs> You're right there with me, man. Right, thanks right. for having me on. Yeah, thanks for we... having me on. Oh, I, hey, I appreciate you being on the show because, like we stated before, we talked a while back and we got to know each other over the years. And I said to myself, you know, I would like to have this legend on my show. Oh, man, well, I appreciate that, man. Uh, I don't know about legend. I was just lucky enough to be in the professional wrestling business when I was and with who I was. Uh, it'll never be again like it was in the, in the late 70s, early 80s, early 90s. I hear you because when I was young coming up watching wrestling, I was captivated, you know, about the whole sport in itself. And what, you know, Vince McMahon Jr., along the way, like with the likes of Ted Turner, who started coming into it with WCW, um, yeah. Paul Heyman with ECW, um, you yeah. know, these wrestling organizations, you know, started to flourish, you know, after the Jim Crockett promotions, you know, had fell under. And then, you know, everything just started spiraling into a whole different category of a new degree of error for young listening audiences and, and people to watch, you know, especially with Vince. Right. Vince. Vince took it to a whole nother level. You know, his dad right. ran it for a while, but this had a vision to take the WWE, but back at that time it was WWF, to a whole nother level. Well, you know what that done uh, when he made that big announcement on Black Friday, Black Saturday, whatever it was, uh, it killed the territory days. 
And, you know, it was going to come to an end. It was going to go worldwide. It had to. But what it done, the guys today don't have a place to work. They don't have TVs to do. They, they you know, they don't have, uh, you know, working every night, sometime twice on Saturday and Sunday. They don't have that no more. They're weekend warriors. Uh, and I'm talking about indie guys. Most of them work Thursday, Friday, and Saturday. And that's sad for them. And, and, you know, we were lucky to have different territories and that we could work every day. And, you know, like I said, sometime twice on Saturday and Sunday. Yeah. We were just lucky. Yeah, you're absolutely right because, you know, wrestlers used to, you know, do it 365 days out of the year. You know, spend a long time away from their families, their loved ones, their children, the wives, their girlfriends, or whoever. Every every Thanksgiving, every Christmas night, I was on a show somewhere. I was on a show somewhere. Whether it be in Nashville, Tennessee, whether it be in the Omni in Atlanta, it don't matter. Wrestling was running somewhere across the country. Every Christmas, every Thanksgiving, man, that was a big time and a time for you to make some good money. Right, right, because now we got, you know, every Christmas and every Thanksgiving, we have the NBA going on, we have the NHL going on, you know, and things like that. So, yeah, the, the, the sports have now over the years have changed to where wrestling used to be the top promotion on television yeah. or on radio to where now it's basketball hockey or whatever now yeah you know yeah i agree i agree buddy you know but yeah you know but like i said you know we're gonna we're gonna get off into this segment and um we're gonna i'm gonna ask you some questions about you know the sport and what you're doing and everything like that you know of course you know harley race had passed away back on april 1st i mean uh, excuse me august 1st of uh this year and that kind of, you know, sunk the hearts of a lot of wrestling fans, old school wrestling fans, um, who watched him over the years, wrestled and, and did his thing. And all I want to know to ask, to ask you is that what, what was, you know, what did Harley Race mean to the sport of wrestling during that era? Wow. Thank you for that question. Uh, and forgive me. Forgive me if I get a little, this would hurt. It's okay. This one hurt. Not that I was great friends and held hands everywhere we went. Not that I rode with Harley Race. Not that I was uh, Harley Race's best friend like everybody claims, man. And some people are. My point is, I loved Harley Race as a I loved Harley Race as a professional wrestler, not an entertainer, as a professional wrestler. He was one of the best. You know, here in Chattanooga, I got to sit in the dressing room with him and Tojo Yamamoto and, and just a bunch of guys in there. And Harley was laying down the NWA belt. Was over there by his belt, the real belt, not the big, uh, the big gold belt, the real NWA belt. And, and Tojo was working on Harley's 
Harley's neck, getting him adjusted, this and that. And Harley was wrestling that night, made a bend. And I was there, uh, you know, and at WCW, I was around Harley. And, you know, best friends? No, we wasn't. I'm just a fan of Harley Race. Uh, when he passed away, when he, and my son sees this all the time. When, when, when the guys pass away, it hurts. It hurts your heart because you've, you've been on cards with these people. You know these people. No, maybe not best friends, but you know them. And, and it really, really hurts. The one that's going to really get me, the one that's going to really get me is the nature boy. When he finally passes away, that's going to be a hard one. That's going to be a hard one. And I hope you understand and I can, you know, paint you a picture of what I'm trying to say. I hope you guys understand. Yeah, I, I, yeah, I, I definitely, I definitely feel your pain and I appreciate you, you know, um, expressing that because that, that's, that's a meaningful, impactful part of your life that you'll never forget as long as you live. And like you said, you know, um, the nature boy, you know, was a, a, a very, very inspirational figure. Um, and he's still doing it to this day. You know, you have a lot of new generations following him, uh, imitating the woo that he, that his famous woo sound. And, you know, I've, I've seen moments with him where he fought Sting. He fought Lex Luger. He fought the Steiner brothers. He fought just about everybody in that sport, you know, because Ric Flair was one of the icons along with Sting in, in the, in the Monday Night Wars against totally the agree. WWE. Totally agree. You know, talking about Sting, and this is a funny story, line things up a little bit. I traveled with him and the road warrior when they come to Memphis. They put me in the car with them just to, I don't know, to smart them up or whatever. But I got down to Atlanta and Sting was the man. Uh, and, and what a good guy. And yeah, I knew Sting. Uh, been to his gym, the whole deal. But, but, the whole thing is, hey, man, I want to work with you, Sting. I want to work with you, Sting. And this was about every freaking TV, right? Yeah. So here we go. It's on the sheet. Sting versus Pat Rose or Pat Rose versus Sting, whatever you want to call it. First thing i done when we locked up, man, I poked him right in the freaking eyeball. <laughs> I poked him right in the eye. He couldn't see. You cheated. <laughs> Well, I didn't mean to. And I told him, I said, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Oh, it was so funny, man. It was so funny. But, you know, the crazy thing, the beautiful part about back in those days in the 80s and then going into the 90s, you know, you had scripts, you had writers, you know, uh, like the like Russo wrote for WCW for many years, and then he went on to uh, write for the WWE. Um and but back then, when you had bad blood with one another, you had bad blood with one another. I, I don't care if it was Hulk Hogan and the, and the Macho Man, if they had animosity towards each other, they ain't gonna do no Slim Jim commercial together. All right, here we go. Let me let me spark you up on something. Back when I was in it, uh, when you come into a show, 
uh, they will say, Pat Rose, you're working with so-and-so. Give me 10 minutes. Uh, you over. That's all you got. You didn't get no script. So what you did in the ring is what the people got. You could feel the people and what they wanted. You understand what I'm saying? Yeah. And now, when we went in, when I went in to Louisiana, they had just started Rock and Roll Midnight. I was on first, second, third matches down there. What was my job? My job was to come out there, entertain these people, whether it be first, second, or third match, didn't matter. Entertain these people. Did I say entertain? Wrestle for these people and freaking get them ready for the main event, the Midnight Express. For the main event, Junkyard Dog, Jim Duggan, you know. Whatever it was, that was my job to get them ready for those guys. And we did that night, night in and night out, brother. We did it. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And, you know, those are some phenomenal matches back then. Uh, I've even got some of these matches recorded on VHS before DVD. Oh, my came God. Out. If yeah. you would just watch, if, if tag team guys out there listen to me, if you would just watch some rock and roll midnight matches, you'd be amazed. And what, you gotta look for stuff. You gotta look for stuff. There's this one deal where, let's see, seems like Dennis tagged out and he was standing on the apron. He turns around with his back to Bobby. Bobby got, <coughs> Bobby got ass bumped, you know, where they pick him up, bump him with the ass, right? <laughs> he got he got an ass bump, bumped into Dennis. Dennis fell off the ring. Bobby fell, fell out of the ring ropes onto the floor. They wasn't even looking. You understand what I'm saying? They were going by feel. As soon as you feel Bobby touch you, take the bump. You know what I'm saying? Yep, yep. You've got to watch for that stuff. And golly, yep. they were great. Yeah. Two of the greatest tag teams, in my opinion, in the sport of professional wrestling. Yeah, Road Warriors were good. They were monsters. They were monsters. They could beat up people. That's what they did. They were great with that style. Rock and Roll at Midnight. They were high spot people. Uh, they were entertainers. They, they wore it out. You know what I'm saying? Yep. Yeah, man, I'm lo I'm loving this, man. Let's go. All right, okay. Now, you know, in your career, and we're talking about your career, I, 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 you know, looking back, cause I, I, like I said, I got a lot of these matches on VHS tape, and I look at them every now and then because I archive them now. They're 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 classics to me now, and right, the, these these are matches that you don't see anymore, you know. And me and my son, we would sit back. And we will watch these matches, and my my son like, who is that? Who is that? And I tell him, you know, who these wrestlers are. And, well, you know, because he's all about now the new generation, like with John Cena and Roman Reigns and all of them. Right. You know, because right. he, he's twelve, and for me it was you guys. You know, for me being ten, so I'm right. like right around about his age at that time, and I noticed that you know you went by a few names in your career. Let's see, I'm trying to think of one. It was Pat Fargo, was it? Yeah, 
Yeah, yep. we did the Fargo gimmick. Uh, Fargo started down in, in Florida. I was always, I always loved, and when I was 12 years old, I seen the fabulous Fargos at the Chattanooga Memorial Auditorium. When I seen Donnie, Donnie was muscled up, right? He worked out. He looked great. He had a body. And that's what turned me on to professional wrestling. And at 12 years old, I knew what I wanted and what I wanted to do. But we got, when I was living in Florida, it was with WOW's World Organization Wrestling that uh, a few of the Japanese people owned and was putting money in. And the first set of Fargo's was Pat Rose and Ken Timms. And Ken Timms' wife, Juanita, would make us outfits, matching outfits. And we got over. We were in, you know, Greenville, Mississippi. We'd travel everywhere down the Gulf Coast. And then uh, I think Timms had to leave or something. Then we got Marvelous Marcel Pringle. Have you ever heard of him? Yeah, yep, I did. He's from Mobile, Alabama. Good guy, man. He was Percy Pringle's cousin. And we got him. And then it ended up with me and Paul Lee with Don Fargo when we went to Memphis. So it was fun doing that, man. Because I got to be a Fargo. I had blonde hair, you know? Right. And it was, it was a lot of fun. And, and we got to strut. Uh, right in the middle of the ring in, in Louisville, Kentucky, at the Louisville Garden, man, doing the Fargo strut. And that was, that was, uh, it was, it was exciting. It was exciting. Once again, I, let the people know is, where they can find you. Hey, man, this has been fun. Thank you for having me on, brother. Uh, listen, go to Facebook, look at Pat Rose. Uh, look at Seth Uncle Pat Rose. There's all kind of Pat Rose stuff on there. Uh, we're on Instagram, Pat Rose 01, at Pat Rose 01. Uh, we're on Snapchat. We're on everything, man. You gotta do that these days to, uh, to keep everybody informed and all that, man. Uh, hey, thanks again for having us. We love you, brother. Y'all have a good evening. You're listening to the Scoop Talk Show. With me, Sean Harris, right here on Wildfire Radio. We'll be right back. Everyone and welcome back 
We're going to turn over to MLB, Major League Baseball. And we're going to be talking a little bit about what's going on down the stretch. After all, it is August. It's late August. And the, 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 the races is heating up. Everybody is fighting for playoff positioning. Pennant races is going on. So, let's get right on into it. Chris Sales of the Boston Red Sox expect to be fully healthy by 2020. After all, he has just been shut down due to elbow issues. And the team thought that he was going to require to need Tommy John surgery over this past weekend. But Sale got good news. And he received a patlet-rich plasma injection into his left elbow. And after all, it's working out just fine for him. And he won't need Tommy John surgery. And it was confirmed on Tuesday that they see no reason to put him back in the starting rotation for the rest of this year. And he could come back in 2020. So that's good news for Sale, the former Chicago White Sox pitcher who is now playing for Boston. And while he was going through his season, he recorded 200 strikeouts for the seventh straight year, and he led the league with 13 Ks over nine innings with a 440 ERA, which was not good because of the situation involving his elbow. So good luck to Chris Sales, and hope to see him again in 2020 the Yankees my goodness they're they're on the trip they on the tear this past week killed the Baltimore Orioles I mean they clobbered them like and set a new record with 61 home runs against that team when in 1956, they didn't have that many. I think it was around about 48 or something like that. I, I got to check my stats, but it was way less than what they did. And after all the injuries that the Yankees been through, the Yankees has now found themselves in position to possibly get into the playoffs, let alone they can compete for the East title. Or the division. You got Aaron Judge and the gang doing what they do best. Playing baseball. Playing ball. And the Yankees has been playing outstanding since that time. So, the Yankees are on a tear right now with that. Congratulations to Louisiana and Hawaii 
in the elimination game over the weekend and double elimination game to advance to the next round of the Little League World Series. They they played. I said I didn't get a chance to watch them, but you know I enjoyed looking at it when I can of the Little League World Series and seeing what these young men can do and can continue on with their careers to go to college and perfect doing what they doing. So congratulations are in order with. Louisiana and Hawaii for that. So, but the, yeah, getting back to baseball though, sticking with it. The pennant races is heating up. You got you got a lot of teams out there doing what they do best, and you know you got a lot of teams out there that are just dominating. The situation this season like none other. You know, over in the AL Central, the Minnesota Twins, they're leading the pack. But closely behind them is the Cleveland Indians. The Yankees, like I talked about earlier, they're 40 games, y'all. 40 games after starting out the season on with seven or more players on the injured reserve list, they are the smoking hottest team right now in the, in the MLB at 83 and 43. And they're 10 games above the Devil Rays who are trying to hold on, even though the Devil Rays right now is going through a transitional period of what they're going through. And the fans are not showing up to the games with them and everything like that. and They're falling down to the world champion Boston Red Sox. They're 16 games out. You got Houston Astros leading the West of the American League. They're eight games above Oakland and 18 games above my team, the L.A. Angels. I don't know what my Angels are going to do. They got to turn things around in this year amateur draft, and they got to make some trades or something because this is, this is getting crazy. This is getting ridiculous on what's going on with them. For real. You got you got two time MVP AL make it about to be a third time in Mike Trout. He need help. He need help, y'all. And they cannot continue on going through that wasting valuable years of his career while he's still young and healthy. Being in the middle to last place every year. Now, over in the National League, you got the Cardinals. They're leading the pack of the Central. And the Cubs are right there at a half game. Cubs are playing good ball, too. You got the Brewers at three games back. So, it's going to come down to a dogfight between the Cubs and the Cardinals. Over in the East, the Atlanta Braves, they have five games over the Nationals. And that could be a scenario or situation in the East. If Bryce Harper and the boys continue to play the way they playing, they can overtake the Braves and steal the National League East. But we're not going to leave out the mess. The mess is only nine games back, and the Phillies is right there too. And Derek Jeter and the Marlins got a lot of work to do, y'all. Miami got a lot of work to do. 
both Florida teams are not doing well with ticket sales, fans in the seats and everything like that. But I give Tampa Bay a lot more credit than the Marlins because, after all, Tampa Bay is in the hunt for the wild card. Whereas the Marlins, they playing for next season. And over in the West, you got the mighty Dodgers. Dodgers got the second best record in the league at 82-74. and 74. Behind the Yankees. Dodgers has just came off their second World Series appearance in two years. And they trying to make it back. They got a comfortable lead in their division over everybody. The Giants, the Diamondbacks, the Padres, and the Rockies. And the comfortable lead of what I'm talking about, Giants is second place at 18 and a half games. Giants is one game over 500 going into Tuesday night. So, the, the Dodgers is looking to get back to the World Series for a third year in a row. And they got great pitching, great talent. They got great defense. They, 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 they're high in, uh, in certain areas of their categories within the top ten. But then they got other areas they got to work on. So, the Dodgers is pretty much a well-rounded team that can be able to make it back to the World Series. Will we see another Yankees-Dodgers World Series? Possible. Very possible. But we're looking at all these other teams that are in the hunt and in the race. When we look at the wild card, you got the Cleveland Indians who went to the World Series that I covered with the Cubs a few years back. They lead in the wild card of the American League. You got the Tampa Bay Devil Rays right there. You got the Oakland Athletics right there. And then you got Boston. Angels are fifth, which they got to turn things around between now and October to get into that hunt. They got to start winning more games. The world champs, Boston Red Sox, got to start winning more games. And over in the National League, you got the Nationals that's up two over the Cubs. Mets are right there. Phillies are right there. Brewers are right there. Giants is right there. And we're going to make a consideration as a 17 that's in that wild card, Arizona. But I don't think that the Diamondbacks and Giants will make it. Now, I give with Yelich on that team, I give the Brewers a shot, the Phillies and the Mets, to try to squeak past Chicago or the Nationals who right now currently hold that lead to get off into the wild card spot because you're talking between the Nationals and the Brewers four and a half games. That's it. And it's a long way to go. So any one of these teams can make it. It's just a matter of time of... of when everything going to flip around? Who going to make what mistake? Who going to do this? Who going to do that? But good luck to all those teams. I wish them well. And it should be a good race with this final go-around for the baseball season.
You're listening to the Scoop Talk Show right here with me, Sean Harris, right here on Wildfire Radio. We'll be right back. Hello, everyone, and welcome back. I'd like to thank each and every one of y'all for joining me right here on the Scoop Talk Show, right here on Wildfire Radio. I'd like to thank my special guest, Pat Rose, for joining me. Great interview, my friend. Hope to see you soon when you get that next Hall of Fame call. I will be there, as well as I'd like to thank my sponsor, Keizu Coney. Located at Western Michigan University campus at the Bernhardt Center. Whenever y'all in town, like I said, stop on through. They got great food, great service. You can't go wrong with them. The guys will hook you up. And also, I would like to thank you, the listener, for tuning in to the show. And you can tune in to the show each and every Wednesday. 3 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, 12 noon on the Pacific, 1 mountain, and 2 in the central in any parts of the world where you live. Thank you so much. I'm out of here like the breeze through the trees. When I'm gone, I'm taking all the leaves. Peace. See you next time. Love one another. Take care.